So before we get into today's topic, we just wanted to let listeners know that this is going to be our last show for a few weeks. We're just going to shift to a a kind of a seasons setup for the Mm. podcast. I guess living what we preach, really. (laughs) Make a little bit more time for uh, for less doing and more being. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so this is episode 61. This will be the last step for a few weeks. You'll hear from us again in June and then in June we'll let yeah, we'll fill you guys in more about how long the seasons are going to be and what to expect. We yeah, we're just going to change things up a little bit. <laughs> There's an article doing the rounds at the moment that is resonating with a lot of people in our circles or the circles that we move in. Um, It's by Krista O'Reilly and it's titled, What If All I Want Is a Mediocre Mm. Life? Which, yes, I love it. I have so many thoughts about this. Alex in our Facebook group said this. She she shared that article, I think. Um, She said, I'm struggling a big time with this at the moment as I slow down my life and try to find my passion and meaning. So Alex is literally a rocket scientist. She is an <laughs> so cool. she is <laughs> she is an aerospace engineer, and so the public puts a lot of expectations and fantasies on her work. They expect her to be super intelligent and ambitious. And being a female aerospace engineer, the industry also puts a lot of pressure on her to be a role model for other young girls. Yes, and you know, and just defy the odds in her industry. So she says, I'm on the council of a professional society, but my commitment over the last year has been a bit half-hearted, to say the least. She said, I've often used work as an excuse not to attend meetings and events when the real reason is I don't want to impact my rhythm and routine. And I can't be bothered hiking into the city, which is an hour on the train each way on a weeknight, once or twice a month. So she said even though she enjoys the events and inspiring students, she's struggling to find motivation. So her question is, should I push myself outside my comfort zone and strive to be involved and to inspire young people? Or should I be okay with not wanting that and with sitting back and just rocking up nine to five to enjoy my little world of work and contribute in my local area? Brooke? I mean, it's such a a great question and there's so much to talk about in in terms of expectations, I guess, again, and Uh, and the shame tied up in... in I was just going to say, how much guilt is there tied up in those expectations and that if you are achieving this in your industry, it is incumbent on... And I feel this is a big thing for any female who is achieving at a high level in a particularly male-dominated industry, it, it's not, not just an expectation. It's like a requirement that yep. they should be doing all these things that Alex talks about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but, I mean, there is nothing wrong with wanting a quiet life, like nothing at all, regardless of what your, your, your training or your expertise is, you know, or, or what other people tell you you should be I mean I I'm really adamant about the fact that people should feel free and comfortable enough to be okay with living a quiet or like a mediocre as the as the title of the blog post says even though I think that has negative connotations which I don't I don't love because I don't think that's actually what it's saying I think it's more a quiet life or you know because what even is mediocre really like it's 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, mediocrity is, is kind of thrown around as like it's a bad thing, you know, and that's really interestingly when I first started exploring the idea of simplifying my life back in the day when I was running my jewelry business and renovating a house and two young kids and trying to be everything to everyone completely overwhelmed my psychiatrist is the one who put me onto the idea of, of simplifying and initially I was really put out by it because I thought that being slow or being simple was being mediocre you know below average almost like boring or dull or opting out of it exactly exactly but it's none of those things you know it's really not it's different to the like the the go get them achieve everything tick every box climb every ladder kind of approach that I was trying to to live up to it's certainly not dull or boring or you know slow in the in the negative capacity yeah so I mean I I really should feel comfortable in doing that but I'm also really conscious of the fact that people don't feel comfortable in doing that for a whole heap of reasons just like Alex has has outlined I mean what do you what do you think yeah I mean it's such a it's such a difficult one so I come at this from being that relentless achieving type but what did relentless achieving do to me it pushed me deep into the dark recesses of overwhelm and stress and anxiety and depression and this is kind of what annoys me a little bit about not about myself but about society in general because I push myself almost to obliteration I then have something to lean on when people go oh why are you opting out of that I go look it's because you know, I got to the point where I actually thought the world would be better off without me in it because of this, Mm. you know, I did all these things. So now when I make the choice to back off, I've got that to call up on. And I really, really wish for the world or wish for the people that, you know, kind of follow us in our journeys. I don't want them to have to push themselves to the point. shouldn't have to get to that point. We shouldn't have to push ourselves to the point of obliteration in in order to be able to justify to other people why we're not doing that thing. And like, because I even think back to when I stepped out of my business, like I'd known for probably 18 months that things were not working well for me in that business. But it took, yeah, it took the point of complete breakdown for me to feel justified in saying to our clients, this happened, therefore I need to step out the business and now you have to deal with and mm. or, you know, not me. And yeah, I don't know how as a society we can make it more acceptable for people to opt out. I think the messaging is so so wrong in order for that yeah. to be acceptable at the moment. You know, like it, what we're sold is like an upgraded lifestyle or, you know, a flashier car or a nicer holiday or a nicer boat or like whatever. You know what I mean? And it's always about the next step up. Yep. And even if we don't live like that, because I don't and you don't, you know, we, 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 we're not constantly like striving to get to the next level in order to appear successful for no other reason than to appear successful. Like that's not yeah. our MO, either of us. But we still recognize that like there is pressure constantly to do all the things or be all the things or certainly don't look like you're lacking in ambition or imagination or you know <laughs> scope or striving. I, I just think it's it's tied so closely to the messaging that we receive thousands of times a day that that we're not enough 
that we're not enough. <laughs> Effectively. Exactly right. It's like whatever yeah. choice we make is not enough. And I think like one of the most insidious ones of these is that whole thing where if you've got a talent, you're obliged to use it. Mm. I think, you know, so we see people with sporting talent. We see people, you know, with – I got it a bit when I left school in that I got the score to be doing, you know, I don't know, like law at uni. Yeah. And I didn't. I choose to do something that required a very, very low score. And people were kind of like, that's such a waste. And I'm like, yes. you know, and I, I don't know how or why I had the confidence and the ability to go, whatever. I This is something. I wanted to study human movement and sports science. And that's all I've ever wanted to do. So I'm going to do that. But a lot of people like, oh, I can't think of how many people who are lawyers who went and studied law because they felt they got, the know, mark. they got the mark. Everyone said they should. They went and studied it. Like there are so many ex-lawyers out there doing other things now. And I feel, you know, you know, maybe law was a great grounding for everything else that they were going to do. But yeah, it, it frustrates me that they weren't able to do the thing that they really wanted to do straight up because everyone said, it was just expected. <laughs> if you've got this talent and you've got this brain, then you need to use it. And I just want to know like, is, do you think it's selfish to kind of say, despite any talent that I have, despite any standing I have, despite, you know, influence, I don't owe the world anything? No, I, I, I don't, you know, and listening to what you were saying before, when people said to you as like a teenager, that's such a waste oh, to go I and know. do something. You know what I think is a bigger waste? People who are passionate about something and who get pushed into doing something else where they live for 10 or 15 or 20 or 50 years doing something that they didn't want to be doing in the first place. They're only doing it because someone told them they should. You know, I, that's a waste. Like, for your example, you know. Yeah, I mean, If you I, were I totally to spend agree. 20 years being a lawyer but you weren't ever passionate about it, you didn't actually want to be there other than the fact that you got the marks and you were intelligent enough to study law and become a lawyer but what you really wanted to be doing was human movement. Like, that's a waste, you know. And yeah. I think that we owe the world, like, kindness and compassion and, and looking after our community, which I found really interesting, is something that Alex touched yes. on in her question. That's what she wants to do and that's what the world needs more of. We don't need more people who are doing like big, massive things for the world if they don't want to be there. We need people who care, who turn up, who do things in their community, who raise wonderful kids, who help, you know, help their neighbours that's what we need and I think like that's a very la 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 kumbaya kind of thing to say because we also need doctors and we need you know um, engineers and, and we need lawyers and we need all of these things but we do need people who are lit up by yeah by, by, those things. by contributing you know yeah yeah so no I, I don't think it's selfish but I understand why people can feel that way yeah, and I think often, oftentimes it comes from like someone going, you know, I don't have the brains to do this, but you do. So mm. therefore you you almost you owe should. it to me <laughs> to, mm. to, to, to put that brain or that talent or whatever the thing is that you've got that no one else does to, to good mm. use. But I, I have such admad, admiration for people who push back against that, a triathlete um friend of mine years ago you know she had she was on the path of you know from juniors to you know 
you know, operating as an elite junior, so there's a very clear path mapped out for elite juniors to eventually make the Olympics one day, if you know, if that's their goal. And she was on that path, and then at some state, you know, some point along that path, she was like, you know what, this is not lighting me up anymore. Hmm. Being a you know professional athlete of any description is is a lot harder work than it looks like yeah. from the outside. But yeah, triathlon is particularly hard, and she was like. I don't want to do this anymore. And I can only imagine the pressure on her from sponsors, from family, from coaches, from people going, but, but, but you've got this talent, you know? And yeah, I just, and, but she kind of went, no, I'm not doing it. I want, I want to go and do this thing instead. She went, went and studied. And I wonder then people will say to your friend, for example, you have, you have the talent, like you have what it takes. And let's say she stayed there in spite of her misgivings or her desire to go and do something else, don't you think that at some point that talent is, look, you you need it, it's absolutely necessary, but you also need the desire. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and, and maybe like kind of similar to Alex's situation, she's kind of extricating herself from a lot of it simply because she doesn't have the desire. It's kind of like a... A, a litmus test almost for how much you want these things. And I'm thinking about with your friend as well, had she continued on? So I wonder if eventually it does work work itself out because there needs to be a lot of self-awareness and inclination to actually make a decision. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know the answer to it, but I just think it's really interesting that like, yeah, sure, you can you can have the God-given talent or the intelligence to do all of these things, but at some point you need to be you got to have Super the desire passionate. and the passion because the mm. talent really, in, in anything that you're doing, talent only gets you so far. And we've seen this mm. play out many, many, many times over in all facets of life. But yeah, and I guess like I look at my friend and I go, she could have stuck it out for another two or three years, but then I reckon she would have had this like massive burnout event and this massive like, oh, that's it. You know, throw hands in the air. I don't want to do this anymore. And I hate everybody involved in this mm. sport and I hate, I hate you for putting this expectation. And then, it, mm. yeah, so I admired her mostly for the fact that she didn't wait. She saw the writing on the wall and she didn't wait for the big burnout event or the big extreme event to happen. She went, yeah, I I can see what's on the horizon. I don't really want to go there. I'm opting out now. Mm. I'm so frustrated for Alex that simply – being amazing at her job and what she does in nine to five is kind of not good enough. And I think that that is, you know, it it is a reflection of society today and the message, you know, the messaging around everything that we're doing is that, you know, being really good at what you do, that there should always be more. Yeah. And everything needs to be extraordinary, you know, in order to be something to be proud of, everything needs to be extraordinary in today's day and age. And if you're unextraordinary, like that's embarrassing. You should be embarrassed for not being extraordinary. That's just not true. Or for at least not aspiring to extraordinary. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I I just think that's so broken, you know. I remember my, my pop's funeral a few years ago and my dad delivered the eulogy and he kind of went through pop's his life story and his history and he was a train driver for many years and he lived a really quiet life yeah and they lived in the same area for I don't know 70 or 65 something years and they had a huge number of friends the church was absolutely packed with people and my dad said pop lived an unextraordinary life but he lived it extraordinarily because of the way he loved people 
you know, and he loved people. He was kind. He was fun. He was open. He was generous. He would always sit and have a yarn with you. He always had a joke to tell. He always gave the best hugs. Like He didn't he didn't have an extraordinary life. Like dad spoke about the first time he took pop on a plane was when he was in his seventies or maybe even his eighties. And he was like a little kid, you know, he was just so delighted with the whole thing. He didn't travel far. He didn't have a name that everyone knew, but he lived extraordinarily because he lived so well. And I think there's so much in that that gets lost in the desire to be extraordinary, famous, you know, like Instagram famous even for God's yeah. sake. Like, you know, all these things that we strive for or to, to be the top or to be the most prolific or to be the the person with the highest profile in whatever industry we work in. Like there's so much striving that I think we lose sight of the fact that we can live incredibly beautiful, strong, joyful, impactful lives in a quiet way. Oh yeah, I've got, yes, I've got two thoughts, two thought paths I want to go down. The first one is, so we're sitting here saying this and giving people permission to live, you know, whatever life they want, yet we're strivers as well. Mm -hmm. We're ambitious people. So where, how do you kind of manage that tension? Because I guess this tension, so Gretchen Rubin shared this passage, um, it was from Thomas Merton and she said, Finally, I'm coming to the conclusion that my highest ambition is to be what I already am, that I will never fulfill my obligation to surpass myself unless I first accept myself. And if I accept myself fully in the right way, I will already have surpassed myself. Mm-hmm. I kind of read that and it was like my, my brain exploded a little bit because I was like, that I felt like that quite readily, that, that just neatly summed up this tension that I am kind of dealing with every day between embracing the the simple life that I want and desire and crave for me and for my family. And when I say, and the reason I desire this simple life is because I want to have time to notice when other people need something from me and have mm-hmm. time to be able to help other people, not in a, you know, stupid overwhelming way but I just want to be that and and okay I'm going to quote um, something from a David Brooks article now so David Brooks wrote for the New York Times an article called The Small Happy Life if you've not read it go read it we'll we'll link to it in the show notes and he had asked readers to send in essays describing their purpose in life and how they found it and he thought he'd kind of be inundated with these commencement speech type things of big goals and achieving great things and instead, he found like a, a surprising number of people found purpose in pursuing what he calls the small, happy life. And there was just one passage in there that kind of really stuck out for me because it was like, oh my God, yes, that's it. I want to be that person. So this lady wrote and she said, my purpose in life is simply to be the person who can pick up the phone and give you 30 minutes in your time of crisis. I can give it to you today and again in a few days. I can edit your letter. I can listen to you complain about your co-worker. I can look you in the eye and give you a few dollars in the parking lot. I'm not upset if you cry. I am no longer drowning, so I can help keep you afloat with a little boost. Not all the time, but every once in a while until you find other people to help or a different way to swim. It's no skin off my back. It is easy for me. 
Yeah, so I read that passage in that David Brooks article and I was like, that, that is everything. That is my mm. goal in life summed up neatly. But at the same time, I still have ambitions. So yeah. there's well, that I mean, tension. We have, we have more than one. We have more than one goal, don't we? You know, we have more than one value in life. We have more than one like standard or principle or, or ambition even. And I think sometimes we, we try and neatly balance them all out Yeah. And say, well, if I'm striving in my work, then I can't be living, you know, this contented kind of life. And I, I don't, I don't necessarily buy that because I think that we can be striving for different reasons. You know, you can strive in order to create stability financially for your family, which then allows you to not be the drowning one who can then help in generous ways, you know, and I don't think... Even that person who, who wrote that, I, I highly doubt that that's them every day. And I no. highly doubt that that was them for, you know, many years. You work up towards that and you, over time, learn to, to kind of compromise and, and, and work out how that all fits into your, into your, into your life and, and how you end up making that kind of the forefront because there would be things behind it, you know, that, that also allow it to happen. And I think... Yeah, I think that you can absolutely, you know, people often ask me about about how I can talk about slow living if <laughs> it seems like I'm busy. I'm like, well, they're not mutually exclusive. You know, I I work hard, but I also work slowly and intentionally and mindfully and I get lots done, but then I switch off and I live the rest of my life in a really intentional, mindful kind of way. And I like that I think we we look for so much neatness in these kind yes. of questions that I just don't think exists, to be perfectly honest. And I think the acceptance stuff comes from understanding that, that we're all kind of walking contradictions in a lot of ways. And <laughs> that I don't think we ever get to the point in life where that goes away. I don't think so. Yeah, no, I agree. Us, anyway. And I think this is where I kind of always fall back on your concept of tilting, mm-hmm. because as you said, like, yeah, looking for this neat little package of I've got time to be the person I want to be and be available to people that need me while at the same time having the time to pick a goal or two and strive for those things. It's not realistic. Mm. So even if Alex wanted to be the person who was, you know, a great... Okay, no, I'll take that back. If Alex wants to be someone who is a great example to, you know, up-and-coming people in her industry but she doesn't want to do it through the way that other people are saying it to her and that might be a tension point and she might go, okay, well, can I, you know, start a blog? Because that way I can do that from my house. I don't have to go to meetings and that way I can, yeah, be a voice in this industry. I can, you know, because, you know, I'm sure she probably does want to provide a little bit of inspiration to the people who are coming behind her. She just doesn't want to do it in the way that other people are asking it of her yeah Um, I think that's really good advice kind of thinking creatively on how you can if you want to still deliver in those regards but in a way that doesn't push too much back up against the kind of life that you're trying to live for a long time when I was doing a triathlon like I wanted to be able to give back to the triathlon community but I didn't want like I just don't do everyone knows me knows I don't do meetings or committees or anything like that so what did I do I ran the website for years and years because it was something I could do quite autonomously it was something I could do from home in my own time so I was able to kind of meet my own personal value of giving back 
but mm. you know it certainly wasn't in the way that most people wanted me to do it they were like no well we want you to be on this committee and we want you to come to this meeting and <laughs> we want you to be here at this time and I'm like no I can't I, I can't do it that way but I can do it this way you know mm. take, take that or leave it and I did the bit the same with you know our footy club for which my son is no longer playing where you know <laughs> they were like oh that's great that you'll be webmaster and we meet once a month and we do this and I was like no 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 like I, I want to be a webmaster but I, I do not do meetings like that's and they were like okay no, no no that's fine so I think sometimes a lot of angst comes from the fact that we kind of actually do want to do these things that people expect of us, but we just don't want to do them in the way that they want us to. And yeah, if we kind of yeah. Yeah, look outside the box a little bit and go and yeah, and just push back in that regard and go, look, I do want to do this thing for you. And I, you know, I do want to live up to this expectation you have, but I, I just can't do it in the way that you're asking for me because it just doesn't fit with how I want to live my life. You know, mm. some people don't like mm. spending two hours on a train to twice a month. <laughs> Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, having a, a reason or, a, you know, your why or a benefit or, or something to, to kind of give to people as to to why that's your choice can help. Because I think if you tie it back to, mm. you know, the changes that you're making and the foundation on which you're building a life, then I think it can really help to make you, they might not understand it any better, but you feel very confident in telling them why that is. And I think for me anyway, that certainly has helped, you know, in, in certain decisions that I've had to make in just saying why you know and, and giving people a, a reason again they can ignore it that's that's on them that's not on you though and, yeah um, yeah and I think quite often we may not understand our why so I do think there's a lot of value in doing you know if, if people are asking things about you that of you and I'm not speaking specifically to Alex here but just people in general like if people are asking things of you that you know you really don't want to do but you just you don't have the words to use so you kind of either end up getting bullied into do it anyway or you say mm. yes and then you feel really resentful I think there's a lot of value in seeking out whether it's through therapy or through that friend who's willing to ask really hard questions just having a conversation with them to tease out the whys and the values that are sitting behind your non-desire to do that because I do feel there's real power in having the words and I feel like where most of us kind of fall down is in not having the words to describe the way that we're feeling or the reason why we can't do something because I have found in the past that I haven't had the words I have found in the past that I haven't had the words for something and then at some stage you know through talking with someone I'll have this big revelation I'll be like oh now I understand like what I need to say and then when I'm able to communicate to people like you know the why of why I can or can't do something they're always quite understanding like I can't Mm. think that I've ever really had someone come back at me and go oh don't be ridiculous like yeah so I do think that's another thing is talking it out with people to try and find the words to use and then once you've got the words to use yeah use them and more often than not people are people will come on board and quite often I actually find people then offer an alternative that you know wasn't on the table before and Mm. that's always really fun when that happens as well yeah yeah I think that's it make it a conversation that's good advice (laughs) Kelly Thank you for listening to this episode of Let It Be. If you want to connect with Kelly or myself, you can find us on social media. Kelly is at Kelly Exeter on Twitter. And on Facebook, if you search for A Life Less Frantic, you will find her there. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooke McCallery. And on Facebook, 
um, at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag LetItBePod or uh, head over to LetItBe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And, um, you know, we, we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.